this morning we're, we're continuing on just with a series, and Bruce is going to be speaking next week and the following week as well, um, but in the series of who am I, looking at our identity and, and how we're formed and those kinds of things. But if I could just pray before we, we jump into there. Father, we just, we again take time to, to quiet our spirits before you. Lord, we again take time to recognize that it is all about you, Jesus. Lord, we never want to tire of declaring and worshiping the name of Jesus. Father, we, we, we recognize this morning that our being is completely found in you. And Lord, we want to lay down the walls and the burdens and anything that could come in the way of us being able to do that, Jesus. Lord, your burden is easy and your yoke is light, Father. And so we declare that this morning, that we want to take on your burden and your yoke, Father. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. I pray that we would have ears to hear what you're saying, eyes to see what you're doing, Father God, and the faith to follow up in what we see. Lord, we bless your mighty name. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, whose house has ever been flooded? Like a, a decent flood. So not just the bathroom, not just the sink, but a really decent flood. So nobody's just me, me and Rowdy, that's it. So the first time, I started my house flooding days pretty early on. I was about three years old. And to be fair, it wasn't a house, it was an apartment. And it was an upstairs apartment. And um, it, was, it was right after my brother was born. So I was three years old, we're three years apart. So it was a couple weeks after he was born. And um, my, my grandparents, they're from New Zealand, they came to visit us. And so they were visiting us in Tucson, Arizona, and they wanted to go see some of the sites. My brother was born. Um, and so we were headed out the door. He's a couple weeks old, and we wanted to go see some of the sites. And um, we went out, and when we came back, we, the, the entire apartment was flooded. And it was flooded so bad that our neighbors um, actually had it raining in their downstairs apartment. Now, it's hot in Tucson, but it's never that hot where you need it to start raining inside your house. Um, so, but it was raining and we came in and then it turned out that I was actually the culprit and that I had stuffed washcloths in the toilet and like kept flushing it, I guess. Um, and we'd left, so nobody had caught it. And so when, when they asked me, they said, you know, Jesse, why did you do this? I said, well, I was cleaning. Um, and now my mom was really suspicious cause I'd never cleaned before that. And then if you talk to my wife and family members today, they're going to be even more suspicious cause I haven't cleaned after that. Um, so that was kind of, you know, that was, that was one of my first flooding experiences, but our house actually flooded recently again. Um, not, not recently, but in 2010, when Angie and I were living here at Islington street in Trentham, our house was flooded. It wasn't my fault. I didn't stuff washcloths down the toilet this time. Um, but we, we got home and my sister was living with us at the time and the entire house was flooded. I'm like, like flooded, like water flooded. And, um, and me being the strapping young, maybe not so intelligent man that I was, I saw a problem and I was a person of action and I wanted to go fix it. So I was, man, there's water here. What do you clean up water with? You clean up water with towels. So I ran and I got some towels and I started working like the Dickens and I was strong. I was 25 at the time and just, I was, I'd get as many, you know, I'd get like three or four towels and wipe up all the water and then I'd run over to the bathtub and I was trying to scrunch out the water out in the bathtub. You can tell that I probably hadn't dealt with flooded houses too much before. And so while I was doing this, my wife was like, Jesse, that's not really helping and you're not really doing much of a dent. And so I, um, I, I, I appreciated her feedback and, but then I, I continued working because there was a job to be done. And so I kept going. And then obviously pretty quickly I realized, you know, she's the smarter one anyway. So I just, I should have listened sooner, but I realized that sometimes doing something in our own strength just isn't enough. Sometimes doing something in our own strength just is not, it doesn't cut the mustard. And this morning, one of the things I'd like to do is share a story that, um, 
that goes into this topic of our strength, our own strength just not being enough. Um, it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible of Moses. Um, one of my favorite, you know, cartoon movies is The Prince of Egypt. My son has, Archer, the two-and-a-half-year-old, has a lot of movies on repeat at our house, and Prince of Egypt is one that I don't mind being on repeat too often because there's, there's some powerful things that you can see that come out in that movie, The Prince of Egypt. But we're going to jump into the predicament of Moses um, pretty early on in his story. So he is a prince of Egypt. He's, he's got a He's, he's pretty high up in this. We're going to be reading in Exodus 2, 11 to 15, if you want to follow along. Um, but he's, he's a prince of Egypt, but the problem is his people, and we all know the story, are, are in slavery. And it's so easy to just say that, but it'd be another thing if the Australians came over here and subjected us all to slavery and that we have to build, instead of pyramids, if we have to build big boomerangs or something, I don't know. Um, It'd be very different if we had to experience the kind of slavery that they were subject to. It's one thing to say, oh, I understand, you know, they were in slavery, oh, God, freedom, wonderful. But can you just for a moment realize the depravity that they were subjected to, the slavery that they were subjected to? But oftentimes today, what can we be in that same bondage but just by other things? It can be all sorts of things. Um, So we're going to look at that story this morning. Um, So I'm just going to read from... uh, Exodus 2, and starting in verse 11. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and he looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and he looked that way. And seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to them, he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? And he answered, who made you a prince? And a judge over us. Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid, and he thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh, and he stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Moses had seen the burdens of his people. He had seen the afflictions that were going on with his people. It's, it's pretty tough to watch somebody going through something that you can't do a lot to help them. And my two boys were really, really sick recently. It's horrible watching them at three in the morning, struggling for breath, trying to, to, to get through it. And there's only so much we can do. There's so many, so many hot showers. We can just put the water on and steam it and doing all the medicine that we're allowed to give them. It's horrible watching somebody in a burden. And, and there's so much tougher burdens that we can watch people when we feel we can't do anything about about it. And it's very similar to the situation that Moses is in. He's a prince in a land, but there's not a whole lot that he can do about the position that his people are in and the slavery that they're bound by. But we have a perfect example where an opportunity came up right in front of Moses that he could do something about. Now, he was a person of action, and he saw a problem, and he was going to fix it. He killed, one of, he killed the guy that was, was hurting one of his, his people. And the next day he comes out and he, and he finds two of his own friends, his own, his own kinsmen fighting. And he says to the guy in the wrong, why are you hitting your friend? And he gets a question here. And the response is so telling. This question absolutely broadsided Moses. And the question would have broadsided me too, I think, in that, in that situation. Have you ever had a question that pierces to your core, that challenges the foundation of your identity, that challenges your paradigm of how you view life? That's what came across Moses. The Hebrew man challenges Moses. He challenges him powerfully, and he says, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Who are you, Moses, to tell me what to do? What authority do you have? Who are you to butt into this situation? He challenged Moses' identity. 
Who are you? Who made you? That's a big question. Moses didn't have an answer for him either. And he didn't, you know, he was a prince, but his answer wasn't one of, this is my position, I'm just trying to help you out. He had one, what did the Bible say? Then Moses was afraid. Moses' response wasn't one of courage, it was one of fear. And then Pharaoh hears about it, and he wants to kill Moses, so Moses has to flee. And then he's in a faraway country in Midian, and he sits down by a well. The phrase, you know, sit down by a well. Have you had your sitting down by a well moments when you're at the very end of your rope and you just don't have anything else to do? We don't have too many wells in Upper Hut, but have you just sat down at the edge of your bed and you just have nothing left? You have nothing else to do. Your entire identity has been challenged in that regard. Moses learned that day that sometimes doing something in your own strength just isn't enough. It doesn't cut the mustard. And here's the whole point, too. It's not saying that Moses was some weak guy. Moses was actually really strong. He was strong enough that he physically killed another man. That's some serious strength that he had. But the key isn't how strong we can be in and of ourselves. It's how much power and strength we can have and can be found in Christ. So the key isn't how strong we can be in ourselves, but how much more we can be found in Christ. So if if your Bibles are open to Exodus, if you could flick over to 2 Corinthians... Or you open that Bible app and scroll down to 2 Corinthians 12. We're going to be read through verses 9 through 10. And we're going to come back to Moses sitting down by that well in a moment. But we find ourselves here in 2 Corinthians. It's just after this, this talking about the thorn in Paul's flesh that he pleaded with God to take away from me. If you, have you had those things that you're like, God, please take this thing away from me. Please take this thing away from me. And God hadn't taken it away. But here is Jesus' response to Paul's pleading, take this thing away from me. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. That's a powerful statement. He says, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. And that's Jesus' response to Paul. Paul goes on to say, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, and the, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I'm going to boast of what I'm weak in, so that God's power can rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with, or I'm at peace with, or I'm okay with, and I don't know about you, but I'm not okay with these things a lot of the time. I am okay with weaknesses, with insults, with hardships, with persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Have you ever thought about that? Does that make sense to you? I don't think it can make sense in the natural that when we're weak, we're strong. You typically, when, we, when we're weak, we feel weaker. And when we're strong, you get stronger and stronger. But I just want to read out what the Bible commentator Matthew Henry says on this. He's talking about specifically that, that line, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. He says, this is a Christian paradox. When we are weak in ourselves, then we're strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we're weak in and of ourselves, that's when we can be strong in his grace. When we see ourselves weak in ourselves, so when we recognize that we're weak, we then go out of ourselves. We recognize we're weak. We then go out of ourselves to Christ. We're now qualified to receive. I like that. We're now qualified to receive. There's a a qualification that happens that when we recognize our weakness and we go out of ourselves to Christ, that we are now qualified to receive strength from him, and we can experience the supplies of his divine grace and his divine strength. Jesus says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. 
This says that there's not a single situation that you're involved in right now or that you've ever been involved in that his grace is not enough. There's not a kid that's walked away far enough away from the Lord that his grace isn't sufficient for that. There's not an abuse that you've experienced or that you've seen done to other people where his grace is not sufficient for those examples. There is not anything that can outrun his grace. His grace is enough. When things are going well, it's a lot easier to believe. And when things are going tough, it can be much more difficult to try and receive. But do you yourself feel that you've done something that his grace just can't cover? Do you feel something's been done to you that his grace isn't enough for? Or do you have a situation that's too complex for God? Or that's too layered that he just can't get in through all those layers? But God, you don't understand this or this. We sometimes don't trust God that he will take us just as we are and our situation just as it is. It can be so easy to take matters into our own hands at that point. And we choose to step away from his grace and we choose to step away from his strength. We can very easily find ourselves trying to dry up a flooded house with a single towel. And and unfortunately, the world encourages exactly that. It's the strong will survive. First come, first serve. It says those who are strong are going to get ahead. Those who are strong or or powerful are going to be the furthest ahead in life. But the word says that God's power is made perfect in weakness. What does it mean to have God's power made perfect in weakness? And these are some other words. When we recognize a limitation or a weakness in an area of our life, we're then able to invite God in to be the solution. It's not just saying, God, I need you to partner with me. He actually is the solution. We're going to talk more about that later as well. But when you invite God in or you allow him into a weakness, that area that was a weakness now actually turns into a strength because that that weakness is now established in Christ. So your weakness now becomes stronger than any of your natural strengths because it's now founded in Christ. This is doing things God's way and in his strength. When we realize that anything done in our own strength is weakness compared to him, then we, we can realize our need for God to come in and to bring his strength and his, into the situation, making his power made perfect. I just want to read this C.S. Lewis quote out for you because I think it sums this up so powerfully. He says this in his book, Mere Christianity. The more we get what we now call ourselves out of the way and we let him take us over, the more truly ourselves we become. He invented, as an author invents characters in a novel, all the different men and women that you and I were intended to be. In that sense, our real selves are all waiting for us in him. It is no good trying to be myself without him. The more I resist him and try to live on my own, the more I become dominated by my own heredity and upbringing and surroundings and natural desires. I am not in my natural state, nearly so much of a person as I like to believe. Most of what I call me can be very easily explained. It is when I turn to Christ, when I give myself up to his personality, that I first begin to have a real personality of my own. We are so limited in our own strength and our own identity when it's based in and of ourselves. But when our identity and our strength is centered in who God is, then we literally enter into the limitless. And Moses was a strong young man. He had a place of authority, but he did not have nearly enough strength to address the situation that was in front of him. He didn't have a flooded house. He had, a people, he had an entire people group that were subject to slavery. And his attempt to dry up that flood wasn't with a single towel, but it was to kill a single man. And the problem is with that, it's, it's, it just wasn't enough. It's now time to call the insurance company for Moses. His attempt and his, strung, and his strength to dry up all that water just didn't work. 
Moses had seen the burdens of his people. He, it's, that's what the passage started off with. But one of the first mistakes that he had made was jumping into that situation before seeing the perspective of what God saw and how he saw that situation. Oftentimes when we move in our own strength, it's because we haven't waited for God and his perspective. And maybe it's because of trust that we don't think he actually sees the things that we're going through. It might be that we think you might have other priorities or this one's not important or you fill in the blank there. But when God doesn't come through in the timing that we think he should or as often or as fast as we think he should is often when we move out in our own strength. So Moses finds himself in Midian. He stays there. He gets a family. He gets married. But while he's in exile, his people are still in slavery. And here's where we see God's perspective and awareness of the situation come into play. So this is Exodus 3 verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. God had seen the need. He was aware of the sufferings of his people. Can I tell you that God is also aware of you, that he is also aware of your sufferings, that he's also aware of those things that you carry? You can see something that's legitimate, like, the, the, like Moses saw the people that were in bondage and slavery. But if you walk in your own strength, like Moses killing the Egyptian, here's the product of that. He saved one man from one beating for one day. But when God was wanting to use him in his strength, he wanted to set an entire people group free. He, set one, he, he freed one man from one beating in one day. But, and Moses was a strong guy too, strong enough to kill a man. But under the purposes of God, what God was wanting to do with them, the difference is, is drastic. Moses then had to fl- flee the country when he'd done something in his own strength for fear of death. And he found himself in Midian far away from the purposes of God and far away from the people that he had seen the afflictions of. But if you're navigating a tough situation today, can I tell you that God hasn't forgotten you? But when you're walking in your own strength, God is so limited as what he can do with you because you are the one that's in control. When we lay down our way, we can truly say, when I'm weak, he is strong. God sees our afflictions and our burdens, and not only does he see our afflictions and burdens, but he is and he has the solution for those problems. And here's where we see God's solution for this problem in verse 8. When God continues his, he said, not only have I seen the burdens, but he says this, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. After 40 years of shepherding in the deserts, Moses is about to have an encounter with God that is going to shape his life, that's going to absolutely transform his identity. And so an encounter with God typically results in finding out who you really are. When we encounter him, we find out who we really are as well. So we're going to jump into the middle of this encounter in the famous scene at the burning bush. And so God says to this in Moses in verse 10. He says to Moses, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. That's one of those mind-blowing moments. You're going to be the one to bring my people out of Israel. But Moses said to God, Who... Am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Remember that it was Moses' identity that was challenged by his, his own kinsmen. 
when he was trying to help them when they were fighting. Do you remember what he said? He said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? But when you need to find out who you are, Moses is asking the right guy now. When you want to find out who you are, you want to go and ask God. But I can also imagine Moses thinking, God, I tried. I, I, I even killed a guy for it, and it just backfired on me. I tried to do everything that I could in my own strength. I saw this issue. What can I possibly do against the entire nation of Egypt? But here's where it gets so good. Now we're going to be doing something in God's strength, not in our weakness. And this is what God tells Moses. He said, but I will be with you. But I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I've sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, the I am has sent me to you. That is the heart of the message this morning. God says to tell them, I am has sent me to you. Now the chance is if we look over it too quickly or we just don't even apply some critical thinking skills to that and we move over it too quickly, we can really miss some of the implications of or at least part of the implications of what God is declaring about himself and who you are in that statement. When you say the I am has sent me to you, you're not only saying who God is, but you're actually aligning yourself with God in that statement. You are saying I am. When you say I am, it's a state of being. So that state of being, when you say I am, you're actually aligning your state of being with that of God's. You are being together. You are being with him. What a powerful principle that we could adopt. If we could walk into your home or your workplace or your community and have an awareness of saying that the I am has sent me to you. Not, he's not someone that has sent, he's not, he did send to you. He's, he's with us currently when we go into that situation. If we could declare the I am, declare the I am has sent you. How do you do this? How do you work on being with God? How do you make declaring the I am more than just this kind of weird thought that Jesse's talking about this morning? The ability to declare the I am comes directly with encounter with God. This has to go beyond your knowledge in your head, and it has to go into your heart. Moses was in the desert for 40 years going on about his normal life until he had an encounter. And that encounter changed the entire course of his life. The burning bush was Moses' defining moment when he had an encounter with God that spoke and changed his identity. And God can speak identity into you if you're willing to stop and to spend time with him, if you're willing to pursue that encounter with God. An encounter can happen through prayer. It can happen through worship like we're doing this morning. Worship, as we declare who God is in worship, he will often then speak back to us and declare who we are at the same time. It can, he can speak to you. Encounter can happen through reading the word. It can through, be through mentors that, of people that you love and cherish that share wisdom um, into you. But we need to be aware of those moments of encounter. We be, need to be looking for opportunities. When you encounter God, he will shift your focus from your weakness and from yourself to his strength and to himself. But Moses still didn't see the revelation of who the I am really was. He was still focusing on his weakness and not who the I am is. So in verse 10, it says this. Moses said this. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past 
or since you've spoken to your servant. And that's just in case God forgot. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So Moses is really aware of what? Of his weaknesses, of his limitations, of who he is or who he is not in his identity. But I'm not equipped. But I'm not smart enough. But I'm not strong enough. That's beneath me. That's not the way I like to do it. Can you fill in the butt? And then verse 11, then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Part of declaring the I am comes with stating that the one who made you is now part of you and with you. And he has all the problems and the answers for your problems. So much so that God says, I'm going to be your mouth and I'm going to teach you what to speak. If that's not a picture of the I am. I don't know what it is. But it starts with Moses laying down his strength, his way, recognizing his weaknesses compared to the amazing things that God was wanting to do with him. Moses' strength, again, would have been sufficient if he was called to end the beating for that one slave. But God was wanting him to set an entire people group free from slavery. If you rely on your own strength, you're going to be able to do some things. But is your own strength putting a cap on what God has called you to? Are you trying to dry a flooded house with a single towel? Fear can prevent us from moving with God. We take matters into our hands like Moses with the Egyptian. But as we declare the I am, we declare who God is, but we align ourselves with him. We declare I am. This is such a personal declaration in conjunction of me with God. And that might not seem that powerful or that, that, you know, amazing or magnificent. But can I just read out some things of who the Bible says God is to tell you who you're actually aligning yourself with? It says in the word that he's El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. It says that he's Jehovah Ra, your shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. El Olam, the everlasting God. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. That's saying that you're taking the Almighty with you as part of who you are into that situation. When you're asking for peace, if you declare the I am, you're bringing peace into that situation. The Lord that heals, if you need a healer, he's actually with you and part of you. The Holy Spirit inside of us makes that statement true, that we're not distant from God, but he says, tell them the I am has sent me to you. That means he's part of you, with you, going with you into that situation. Amen? When you declare the I am, you declare who God is and his power over whatever situation you're in. You lay down who you are and you pick up who you really are in Christ. The Holy Spirit, again, makes this statement true. And like C.S. Lewis says, the more we find ourselves in him, the more ourselves we actually become. It describes who you were called to be from the beginning. It's like the verse says, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. When they are weak, he is strong. When I am weak, he is strong. Who we are in God and our identity is so important in Christ. It's important to know who we really are. And as we really dive into who we are in Christ, we can then go and do effectively the things that he's called us to do and to help the people that we need to help. Amen?